Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome to our Sunday morning Bible class. We're podcast a Bible class that is posted on that is posted on the internet through podcasts every Sunday morning at 9:30, and that is Central Time in the United States. But it's there once we post it. It's there basically for perpetuity. It's going to be there always, and so. We do that for those who cannot be with us in person at the church building at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha on that time at 9.30 on Sunday mornings. Now, we know there are people who are basically shut in. They just can't get out much because of health problems, physical problems, whatever the case might be. We want to be able to reach out to them with God's word through the means of the internet and by means of podcasting so that they can tune in, so to speak, and they can still be in God's word. They can still be studying and learning and growing spiritually thereby. But it's not just for people in the Omaha area, but it's for people who are listening in other parts of the country and literally around the world. We're thankful to have the the ability, the opportunity, and the means to be able to broadcast, teach God's Word on such a widespread basis through the medium of the internet and by means of these podcasts. And so wherever you might be listening from, we're thankful you're there listening, and we're thankful that we are here being able to teach God's Word before you. We are thankful, and we take that as a great blessing from God, and we take that as a great responsibility. We try to teach God's Word not just in a surface-level basis, but in depth and in detail. We try to help you understand the meat of the Word and not just kind of gloss over what the Scriptures say. We want to help you learn God's Word. We want to help as many people as we can get to heaven. Please share these short studies with everybody you can through Facebook friends, text messages, or other technological means. But share with your family members, your friends, your work associates, your neighbors, with literally everybody you can. Get them into God's Word. You may help them turn their life around. You may help them get to heaven. What a great blessing for them. But it will also be a great blessing for you. So make that commitment and start sharing today with everybody you can. Also encourage everybody to go to our website at churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com. Click on the podcast button and sign up for our podcasting. It's free. It always will be free. We're not after people's wallets. We want to help as many people as we can get to heaven. When somebody signs up for our podcasting, they'll automatically receive our Sunday morning Bible class, all of our sermons, our Wednesday night Bible class, And also, our daily radio program, Search the Scriptures, Monday through Friday, and a great short, only about 13 minutes or so every day, seven days a week, a short Bible class that we call Today's Bible Class. It gets us into God's Word, and being only that long, just about 13 minutes or so, we can work that into our busy schedules each day. So let me encourage you, share with everybody you can, churchofchrist.com. Now that'll automatically go to their smart device, whichever one they choose once they sign up for our podcasting. Also, if you're in the Omaha area, come and check us out. Study with us in person. Worship God with us in person. Grow spiritually with us at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ. Our church building is located at 3606 North 108th Street, 
right here in Omaha. We hope to see you soon if you're in our area. We're going to get back into our study from the book of Numbers. The book of Numbers, and we have worked our way through, oh, almost all of the Pentateuch, as it's called, the first five books of the Old Testament from the time we started these Sunday morning Bible classes by podcast. We began with Genesis chapter 1, the creation account, and we went through Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and we're almost ready to finish the book of Numbers, and then we will most likely move on into the book of Deuteronomy. But in Numbers, I've let you, and I did this also in the book of, Levit- of Leviticus, I've skipped over some of those, um, well, some of those lists of the laws, some of the implements and the details that went into the tabernacle and and all of that and the sacrifices that were to be offered in worship to God. I've, I've let you study through those on your own. I've skipped some of the genealogies because, again, those can get to be rather tedious and not very conducive to to really broadcasting a, a you know, a Bible class kind of lesson that really keeps the student absorbed. So I've let you read through those. And I've skipped over a number of those texts and tried to zero in on what we might look at as kind of more pertinent and more compelling for us as Bible students today. So we're going to begin in chapter 31. And here God brings judgment upon the Midianites. And remember that, and and we see the Moabites and the Midianites, or the Moab, the the land of Moab and the Midianites, they they seem to be connected there together. Remember that King Balak, he tried to get Balaam, a follower of God, but not a Jew, not an Israelite. He tried to get Balaam to curse the nation of Israel because they were about to come through Balak's land, the land of Moab. And so he knew what had happened to the Amorites as they as they had tried to meet the Israelites in battle and, and they were defeated badly and basically their land was conquered. And so he was not sure that, that his army could defeat Israel. And so he tried to get Balaam, a believer, we might say a seer, He was described in one case as a soothsayer, but he was one who followed God and respected God. He tried to get him to curse, pronounce a curse upon the Israelites. And Balaam said, I can't do that. I can only say what God tells me to say. And God did speak to him and guided him as to what he was to do. And so instead of cursing the Israelites, he blessed them, pronounced a blessing upon the Israelites three different times. Balak Balak was frustrated and upset with him because he had done exactly the opposite of what he wanted him to do. And Balak had offered Balaam, I think we can understand, a a great sum of money to do his bidding. And and Balaam said, I can only follow God's instructions. We come to uh, chapter 31. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, take vengeance on the Midianites for the children of Israel. Afterward, you shall be gathered to your people. So Moses is still leading the Israelites. They're coming to the end of what most writers would refer to as the wilderness wanderings. And as I've emphasized repeatedly, I I call that their piddling in the wilderness. And it was 
a 40-year journey in a big circle through the wilderness to let the entire adult generations from 20 years old and up die off because of their weak faith when God, through Moses, had led them to the southern border of the promised land no quickly after leading them out of Egyptian bondage. But they did not have the faith to trust God to deliver that land into their hands. They were afraid that they could not defeat the, the, uh, the inhabitants of that land. And they said, even there's giants there. And they said, well, we're like grasshoppers in our sight, and we're like grasshoppers in their sight. So their weak faith, God had been blessing them all along the way, but they still did not have enough faith in God to believe, to trust him, to give them the victory in, over the enemies in this land the land that he had promised to them through their forefathers going back hundreds of years, hundreds and hundreds of years. Well, so that adult generation from 20 years old and up, God let it die out through those 40 years of wandering, piddling through the wilderness. Now he's leading them through Moses again, back to the border of the promised land, this time the eastern border, just across the River Jordan. And he tells Moses here, so take vengeance on the Midianites for the children of Israel, and afterward, so apparently there's going to be, there's going to be a battle here, and, and God tells Moses, once that's over, then you shall be gathered to your people. You're going to die. Now, God has already pronounced to Moses, I'm not going to allow you to enter the promised land, because you remember back there when I told you to speak to the rock when the people needed water? and I would provide the water, but you tried to take glory to yourself, and you struck the rock with your staff, I still provided the water. But I told you at that point, neither you nor Aaron, who was <laughs> going along with you in this, neither one of you would be able to enter the promised land. Aaron died shortly thereafter. Now you have continued to live to lead the people to this point so that they would be ready to cross the River Jordan into the promised land and take possession of the land that I had promised to them going way back all the way to Abraham, but you're not going to be allowed to go in. <clears throat> now, that does not mean that Moses was doomed to hell. He just was not going to be blessed with the opportunity to actually enter into the promised land himself. God would withhold that from him. But I think we're to understand that Moses, he learned his lesson long ago, and he, he, he stayed faithful to God. But God would not allow him to see the promised land by setting his foot on that soil. He would let him look at it from afar, and then God would take him to be you know, with those who had died before him. So Moses spoke to the people saying, arm yourselves, uh, arm some of yourselves for war and let them go against the Midianites and take vengeance for the Lord on Midian. A thousand from each tribe of all the tribes of Israel you shall send to war. That's interesting. They did not need necessarily all of the men who were capable of going to war Moses just says a 1,000 from each tribe, so 12,000. That's all who are going to be needed to go to this particular battle against the Midianites. 
So there were recruited from the divisions of Israel 1,000 from each tribe, 12,000 armed men for war. Then Moses sent them to the war, 1,000 from each tribe. He sent them to the war with, the, uh, with Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the priest, with the holy articles and the signal trumpets in his hand. And they warred against the Midianites, just as the Lord commanded Moses, and they killed all the males. They killed the kings of Midian with the rest of those who were killed, Evi, Rechem, Zur, Hur, and Reba, the five kings of Midian, Balaam, the son of Baor, they also killed with the sword. Now, now Balaam, we said he, he only would pronounce whatever God told him to pronounce, and that would be a blessing upon Israel. And three times he blessed Israel, but, but uh, Balaam, he apparently gave some strategic advice to Balak, told him to let your women go into the camp of the Israelites and we read about this previously, and let them basically seduce the men of Israel and, and lead them to have relations with them, marry them, and lead them to worship your idols, your gods, lowercase g, which are nothing. And so thousands of the Israelites were punished by, by execution because of their corrupted, uh, becoming corrupted spiritually and by joining themselves to these, to these uh, Moabite women. And so here, not only do the kings of, of uh, Midian end up being killed in battle, but also all of the men who had gone to battle against the Israelites, and including Balaam himself, he was killed with the sword. And the children of Israel took the women of Midian captive with their little ones and took as spoil all their cattle, all their flocks, and all their goods. They also burned with fire all the cities where they dwelt and all their forts. And they took all the spoil and all the booty of man and beast. And so they gained materially, didn't they? They took the booty. They took the spoils. They burned the cities. They burned the forts. And then in verse 12, then they brought the captives, the booty, and the spoil to Moses, to Eleazar, the priest, and to the congregation of the children of Israel, to the camp of the, uh, in the plains of Moab by the Jordan across from Jericho. So they bring all that they captured back to Moses, back to the camp of the Israelites. And Moses, Eleazar, the priest, and all the leaders of the congregation went to meet them outside the camp. But Moses was angry with the officers of the army. And that's interesting, isn't it? Moses was angry with the officers of the army, with the captains over their thousands, and captains over hundreds who had come from the battle. Well, now, why was Moses angry with those military leaders. Moses said to them, have you kept all the women alive? Look, these women caused the children of Israel through the, through the counsel of Balaam. There, see, Balaam gave some advice to King Balak to send the women of Moab into the camp of the Israelites and mix with the men and seduce them and lead them into idolatry. And so Moses says, look, these women, they caused the children of Israel through the counsel of Balaam, and so Balaam was killed in battle also, 
to trespass against the Lord in the incident of Peor, and there was a plague among the congregation of the Lord. Now therefore kill every male among the little ones and kill every woman who has known a man intimately. And so all of those women, all of those women's women of Moab, Moab who were not who were not virgins, Moses said kill them all. Execute them. Now therefore kill every male among the little ones, kill every woman who has who has known a man intimately. But keep alive for yourselves all the young girls who have not known a man intimately. And so some were to be spared. Now we might say, why would Moses, and I think we're to understand that he's simply being guided by God, why would Moses command and why would God allow these women and the males among the little ones to be executed? We might say, well, how, how, is, how, does that, how does that jive with God being a loving God and a just God? No, oh, he is a just God. You know, children are innocent until they reach an age where they understand the very concept of sin, and they begin sinning themselves. But children are innocent. Jesus gave us the example of that in his ministry upon this earth. He said, suffer the little children to come to me. Of such are the kingdom of heaven, innocence. But children who are growing up in a vile, corrupt, ungodly, unrighteous, sinful, wicked household are children who are, could we say, almost certainly doomed to take up those same lifestyles. Recently, I was in a restaurant, and something that another customer in the restaurant said loud enough that I could hear it all the way across the room caught my attention. There was a little child, and I don't, I don't know if, if this was an, a, you know, a, a parent of that little child or a grandparent but apparently related by blood in some way. And this was a little child, maybe eight years old or so. And the little child went over and I guess was looking at some supplies that were laying out. There were knives and forks, plastic ones. And there were some of the condiments there laying on a table for customers and everything. And the little child was over there. And I don't know, maybe he stuck his hand in one of the containers. I don't know. I didn't see that. But the either parent or grandparent, apparently, cursed at the little child, used vulgarity. Get your little away from there, and you can fill in the blank, what he said. And he said that loud enough that I could hear it all the way across the room. Caught my attention. But he used that language to that little child, openly, publicly, directly, personally. And I thought, you're speaking to your little child in that way. You're using that kind of language. That's not respecting that child, but it's also teaching that child to use that same kind of language 
and grow up with the same, showing the same kind of disrespect for other little children later on in his life. How sad. How sad. Now, God is totally just. God knows he has insight that we don't have. And so if he instructed Moses to have these, these, so many of these survivors executed, then, then God had a purpose for that. And we don't always see the insights, the full insights that God has in a given matter. But we can trust that those insights are righteous because God is totally righteous. As John the Apostle wrote in 1 John chapter 1, God is light, totally righteous, totally good, and in him is no darkness at all, no unrighteousness, no ungodliness, nothing bad, nothing wicked. In verse 19, Moses goes on, and he tells the men who have come back from the battle, And as for you, remain outside the camp seven days. Whoever has killed any person and whoever has touched any slain, purify yourselves and your captives on the third day and on the seventh day. Purify every garment. Purify everything made of leather, every woven everything woven of goat's hair, and everything made of wool. And so Moses gives instruction to the warriors coming back from the battle. Spend some time outside the camp. Purify yourselves from the battle, from what you have experienced, what you have touched, and so on. Then Eliezer the priest said to the men of war who had gone to the battle, This is the ordinance of the law which the Lord commanded Moses. Only the gold, the silver, the bronze, the iron, the tin, and the lead, everything that can endure fire, you shall put through the fire, and it shall be cleaned, and it shall be purified, and the water of purification, or with the water of purification. But all that cannot endure fire, you shall put through water. So even the precious metals were to be purified through fire, and all that were fabrics or garments or anything along those lines, they were to be washed clean and purified in that way before they could be brought back into the camp. And you shall wash your clothes on the seventh day and be clean. You shall wash your clothes, your personal garments on the seventh day and be clean. And afterward, you may come into the camp. Yes, great concern, great attention given to purification under the Old law, Old Testament law of Moses. Now, I'm going to let you read the rest of that chapter 31 because it talks about the division of the plunder, and we will pick up a little later in the text of Numbers from there. Let's go to our Heavenly Father in prayer. Father, thank you for giving us your word to guide us in your will, but also to guide us in your will by the examples of the people you were trying to lead and even the people you were bringing judgment upon through the times of the Old Testament scriptures and New Testament scriptures. Help us to learn the lessons, Father, and help us to realize that the lessons you have laid out for us in your word are lessons of righteousness, lessons of godliness and goodness. Help us to recognize that we need to stand pure before you through the blood of Christ. 
having been baptized for the remission of our sins, and having become that new creation, 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17, to live before you by your blessing, holy and acceptable to you. Help us to be great examples to the world around us, and help us to always hold up your word, Father, as the standard for how we and everyone else ought to be living before you. Please forgive us, gracious Father. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.